everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 52 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. You can also keep up with RV Miles on social media. We are at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Jason and I, along with Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are over at OurWanderingFamily.com. And we are also on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Pinterest. We have a jam-packed show today. We're going to talk about uh, all the ins and outs of battery power and using a battery to power things in your RV when you're not plugged in and what kinds of batteries you should be looking at, which ones you shouldn't, all that good stuff. We're going to talk about some hiking tips for families, bringing your kids out there on the trail, something that we've had a lot of experience with, both good and bad. Good and bad, for sure. (laughs) These two topics just go together like PB&J, don't they? We've got uh, a few news items and a new brain teaser and a whole lot more. But first, this episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean believes the more time you spend outside together, the better. And that's why they design products that make it easier to take longer walks, have deeper talks, and never worry about the weather. Discover clothing, outerwear, footwear, and gear made for every type of adventure with the outside built right in. Because on the inside, we're all outsiders. Be an outsider with L.L. Bean. They're about to open a new store, too, in New Haven at Yale. The shop's at Yale. Nice. I still want to get up to their flagship store. I love how many people on Instagram make that a destination and share pictures of themselves in front of the big giant boot. Do you know they have a boot mobile too? No. Yeah. It's like, it's like the wiener mobile, but it's a giant boot. Is it really? Yeah. I'd love, you know what? I'd love to see that going down the road a little bit more than I would the wiener mobile. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, follow that boot. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the news this week. First of all, Uh, This story out of South Dakota, where a lot of RVers use South Dakota, if they're full-timers, as their domicile state or your residency state, because it's very easy to do there. And there are a lot of, there are several mail forwarding services there. One of the more popular ones, My Dakota Address, has shut down immediately without notice. First, they said they were shutting down at the end of the month, and then it turned out that any mail that reached them up up until yesterday is getting forwarded on, but anything after is getting returned to sendered immediately. Do not pass go. Yeah. Do not collect $200. Although they already collected yeah. quite a bit of money from some people from what we're hearing. Yeah, Cause a lot of people paid yearly like 200 yeah. bucks. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we're not in that situation. We're with a different company, but uh, we use traveling mailbox is the company we use. And we use them because they have, uh, Illinois addresses yeah, and our we business wanted... is based out of Chicago. But yeah, that is really a little stressful. You know, we have situated our lives in such a way that we don't get a whole lot of paper mail yeah. anymore. Most of our bills. And I think if you're a full timer, this is something really important to work towards is most of our bills are electronic. Everything that we need to take care of, we try to do via the Internet. We don't really have a lot of important documents sent yeah we're down to like six or seven pieces of mail a week oh no it's like you clearly haven't been on recently we're only getting like two or three pieces of mail a month like we have drastically it's been a goal of mine to drastically reduce the amount of paper being sent to us really at this point it's just so we can have residency in yeah, Chicago. and so the government can send us things like driver's license yeah. renewal and stuff like that. Really, that's it. Yeah, we just want to keep our Illinois residency and we want to keep it in Chicago. I feel really bad for everyone who is faced with what do I do with my mail that's coming yeah. in? What do I do about getting a refund? Because it says to me when someone just shuts their doors with no warning, that to me says there You're is no there's no money. We are completely flat busted, broke. We can't pay anybody. We can't keep going. Well, and the issue I, I'm hearing is that people are saying that the post office is unwilling to do a change of address for mail forwarding services. So I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make sense that they wouldn't, you just wouldn't enter a change of address form for any address, but I don't know. 
That's interesting because I couldn't imagine there being an issue if I said I wanted to have our mail forwarded that's addressed to us here. I want to fo- have it forwarded there. Yeah. What does it matter? It's all going to the same place anyway. Anyway. Next in the news, Yosemite fires, uh, the Ferguson fire in particular, they have shut down the Yosemite Valley uh, entirely. Which, as someone points out, is not of all is not all of Yosemite, but it is the Yosemite Valley. Like it's a really big tourist attraction and the fire has reached the point where it's not even safe. I saw pictures of Yosemite earlier this week and it's just blanketed in what you think is fog, but it's not fog. It's smoke. It's incredible what's happening over there. And there's several other fires in and around the area, too, where I have seen on Twitter recently people, very outdoorsy people that are really active in the outdoor community are evacuating their homes yeah. because the fire is is now spreading. I think it's the car fire as well, the C-A-R-R fire. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Ferguson fire, they're saying that Yosemite isn't under imminent danger right now, or at least the valley isn't. But the main reason they're closing down, they're closing down till Sunday, uh, is to put in protective measures so they can do some controlled burns, uh, that sort of stuff without traffic coming through. Because this is the busiest time of the year. There's thousands of people going in there. And and over the next few days, uh, over a thousand campground and hotel bookings have been canceled. Wow. Yeah. That's a huge hit for the economy yeah. in that area, too. Yeah. The, and the, the road is, uh, is closed as well. It's the 20-mile stretch of California State Route 41 that leads in is closed entirely. So you can't even get into the Yosemite Valley. Yeah, so just really be safe if you're headed that way. The National Park is really good about keeping things updated. You can go to Yosemite's Facebook page or even just to the website itself or National Park to get up-to-date information about the parks. Speaking of national parks, our newest episode of the America's National Parks podcast is out. And it was a mind blower. (laughs) This episode is on. Did you know that there was a 14th colony? Well, I know, Jason, I actually didn't know this until about two weeks ago. (laughs) At at least an extra legal 14th colony. And this isn't about. I air quote legal, (laughs) though. I air quote that because. Extra legal. Outside of legal. It was legal to those who wanted it to be legal. But this and I'm not talking about there. You know, there were other colonies as well, like Nova Scotia and East and West Florida that were not uh, that were loyal to the crown and did and didn't get involved in the revolution. But this is a separate deal. This is a colony that was being formed by a. Uh, by a business, a group of investors who bought a large tract of what is now modern day Kentucky through through the uh, Cumberland Gap. So our our episode focuses on the Cumberland Gap National Historical Park. Yeah, I told Jason he couldn't drop the name of what they named this colony because I think that was like one of the most surprising things to me about this. And I love the fact that this was a piece of history. And my dad is a bit of a history buff. And so when I walked up to my dad and said, did you know that there was a 14th colony or a colony that wanted to be the 14th colony? And he like kind of cocked his head and looked at me and was like, what? I said, oh, yeah. And that was such a satisfying moment because I was like, oh, I just I just educated. Got him. I got him. It's kind of like when we played Scrabble the other night. I won't go into that, though, because I know it's still very sensitive for all of you. That was rough. That lost to me. I'm just saying. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Wow. We've reached. We've reached. You're going to tout your Scrabble scores on the podcast. You know I am. Are we? You know I am. I've been waiting at least a decade (laughs) to crack into the top two when we play Scrabble. So I feel real good about this. I credit it to words with friends. All right. That's the news this week. It's time for this week's gear spotlight. We're starting a new thing where we're rotating an app of the week and a gear item of the week. So this week's gear item is nylon hammocks. You've probably all seen them out and about in campgrounds and we have one and we absolutely love our nylon hammock. Jason absolutely loves. You love it too. You love to sit out in it and read in it. When I'm given an opportunity, most of the time it's you and the kids. And the boys use it as a swing as well. They like to sit in it swing, which you can absolutely do. And the one we have is from a company called Grand Trunk. 
and and we really love it and they range in price from like 20 bucks on up to like 70 dollars depending on the features you get but they're they're all about the same other than some are bigger than others and uh, they have all sorts of different patterns and styles and looks so you can really personalize your campsite with a nylon hammock get a little color a little pop of color although ours is black ours is black it's really warm really fast yeah which is nice when it's cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you do need, if you want to use a nylon hammock, what you need is a set of what they call tree straps. So you buy the hammock, you have to buy straps as well that go with it. And the tree straps is just a, a, a piece of webbing strap that goes around the tree that you're attaching to. And you have to have two trees or, or you can use like, uh, we've often used a, uh, a picnic shelter. Yeah. Deal, the, we did that when we were in New Mexico a lot. And uh, or you can go between a post and and a tree, whatever it might be. You need a tree a few inches around. It doesn't have to be really that big of a tree. But uh, you put these straps around the tree and then you just hook the little carabiners on your hammock into it. And and you've got a hammock. It's super easy. You do need to check, though, with the campground that you're at to make sure that they're allowed, because some places do not allow them or they have requirements. You have to be on a certain size tree or whatever it might be. So we'll link to the grand trunk hammock that we have and we like in the show notes. Awesome. Should we take a break? Let's take a break. All right. Take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser. And we're going to get into battery types and maintenance and all sorts of good battery stuff. All sorts of good Jason stuff. (laughs) We'll be right back. All right, we're back with the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. A man pushes his car to a hotel and tells the owner he's bankrupt. Why? I have no idea. I'm going to fully admit I did not think about this after the podcast ended last week. It was already my mind was already in next week's podcast. Because he's playing Monopoly. He's the car. He's the car. He pushes the car. <laughs> okay. To a hotel. And he has to tell the owner that he's bankrupt. That he's bankrupt. I have sort of erased a lot of Monopoly from my head since we're not allowed to play it anymore. <laughs> I keep wanting to. No, it causes too many marital issues. <laughs> you get really mad because I won't trade. I get really she mad. She won't trade. She will not trade. You it can't is, play Monopoly if nobody trades. I can. It's a strategy uh, yeah. that, I, that infuriates you. There's a reason it takes seven hours. <laughs> yeah. And it takes seven hours and then I win. That's how, that's my strategy. I wear you down. I frustrate you. And then you just want to quit. <laughs> you want to, you want to, th- I'll give you, I'll give you a thousand dollars plus boardwalk for Baltic Avenue and you won't do it. No, I won't because that'll give you a monopoly. Uh, why would I want to do that? Let's not argue about this on the uh, podcast. This is why we don't play monopoly. Everyone's hearing it right now. I didn't even bring it on the bus. This week's winner is Daniel Farmington from Utah, who will win a Not All Who Wonder Are Lost t-shirt. And hopefully has better success at Monopoly <laughs> than the Eppersons do. <laughs> we'll have a new brain teaser at the end of the show. All right, we're going to get into battery use, maintenance types, details. A lot of fun stuff here. Super fun. Super yeah. fun. But first. Ours. This segment is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome. Built by RVers for RVers, Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound. And did you know that you can actually do Boondockers Welcome in Canada? As well no, as the U.S. I didn't know that, actually. I learned that this week. Oh, that's I, right, because they're from Canada. They're from Canada. I didn't realize that they were contracted with people there. I learned that this week when I got the welcome new hosts mm. email. So you can, for $30 a month, an annual guest subscription pass, you could have access to both Canadian and United States individuals 
who have a night to share with you and who love the RV lifestyle as much as you do. And best of all, this Boondockers welcome deal comes with 10% off with coupon code RV miles. That's all one word. You can get 10% off an annual guest subscription with RV miles coupon code. Just go to boondockerswelcome.com. It's really amazing to me how just what a positive community they have built. I I love their emails. They're so positive. It just it just makes you feel like there is there's a lot of good in the world. It does. And it's nice to feel that when sometimes it feels a little overwhelming in the world. And it's literally just based on people being nice. I mean, that's the it's all it is. I've got a driveway you can park in. It's great. Come have it. It's, it's great. so great. Love them. All right. Let's talk about battery power. Yeah. Let's talk about powering up that RV with your batteries. So first of all, some basic stuff about how a battery system works and what you can what you can do with it. Your battery system runs your 12 volt stuff. If you don't know what that means, that's okay. Your 12 volt stuff is generally things in your RV, like your water pump, your, your fridge, if your fridge is a three-way fridge and has a 12 volt option, but even if it doesn't have a 12 volt option, uh, if it's just propane and 120 volt, 120 volt is like when you're plugged in, your battery is still running the control panel on your refrigerator. 12 volt powers fans, including your furnace fan, your all your lights. What it does not power is things that plug into the wall. If you have wall sockets, unless they're the little round 12 volt sockets, it's not going to run your water heater, your air conditioner, anything like that. Anything that heats or cools generally, you're not going to use your 12 volt for unless you have a just massive battery system. And you need to learn a lot more about battery power than we're going to cover in this little bit uh, to be able to run an air conditioner off of battery power. You can run smaller plug-in appliances like uh, a plug-in fan or devices that you need to charge. The essentials. The, 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 the small stuff that, again, things that don't heat and cool, like you, you wouldn't be using your hair dryer or a toaster oven. But little things that you plug in, you can run those off of what's called an inverter. Inverter converts 12 volt power into 120 volt power. And there's a little bit of loss when it does that, but you can run stuff off of your battery power, depending on how much battery power you have. In most motorhomes, you have a coach battery, which is the battery that starts your vehicle uh, and runs the, the radio, the turn signals, your headlights, all that sort of stuff. And then you have your house battery, which is the battery that you use when you're camping. And there are two totally separate things and separate types of batteries. If you have a trailer, they're already separate ones in your truck and ones in, in your trailer, but they're, they're different types. You can't use, you can't utilize the same types of batteries for the same situations. A starting battery is a battery that releases a whole lot of power immediately to get that motor cranking. The house battery that you use in a motorhome or an RV is what's called a deep cycle battery. And these are batteries that are meant to release power sort of steadily and slowly and hold on to it for a while. And that's what you have in in your RV when it comes to you, a deep cycle battery. Now, you might not if you bought used and somebody put the wrong battery in, but you want to make sure that you have a deep cycle battery in there. And the way you'll know is deep cycle batteries are delineated by how much power they hold in a term called amp hours. I don't want to get too much into the details of that to confuse people, but amp hours is just how much power it holds. So if you have a fan that uses three amps, like its motor is rated at three amps, it will use three amp hours over the course of an hour. You know, if you only use it for a third of an hour, you've used one amp hour. So if you have an 80 amp hour battery, your three amp hour fan can, you know, you divide 80 by three and that's how long it can run on it. Makes sense? I lost you yet? <laughs> I have a little bit of a glassy look. A little bit. On my face. But I'm, I'm sticking with you. I'm sticking with you on this. I want to know. <laughs> the amount of batteries that you have in your RV, and you can have multiple batteries, and you, can, and you add up the amp hours. That's how much your total capacity is. Uh, but you, the one important thing that you want to know um, is, and there's usually not a sign or anything that's telling you this. If you've got a battery meter, you don't want to run your batteries below 50% of the, 
of their capacity. So if you have if you have a little battery meter that says, you know, quarter full, half full, three quarters, and so on, you don't want to run your batteries below half full because what happens over time is is the batteries start to lose capacity if you run them too low. Batteries, they have these big thick lead plates in them. And as they discharge, they build up a coating on those plates. And the more they discharge, the bigger that coating is. And if they're not if they're not recharged immediately, that coating starts to crystallize and become solid, and the battery eventually becomes worthless. So, so it's really important to not only not drain your batteries below 50% whenever possible, but also to keep your batteries charged as much as possible. And we'll talk about charging in a little bit. So there are a few different types of batteries. The most common is a 12 volt lead acid battery. That's what most vehicles generally have out there. That's the cheaper batteries that you're going to buy at the store. And they are, are sort of your just general use battery and they are going to require some maintenance because they have sort of these lead plates inside them with a mixture of acid and and water flooding them over the top. You often hear them called a flooded battery and they require you to open them up and look to see if they are full of fluid. And if they're not, you have to add distilled water to make sure that they're full. Otherwise you could damage the battery really badly. So you want to check your batteries at least. I like to do it once a month. Um, if you don't use your RV all the time, it can be like before every trip you take. But you want to check them and make sure that they're they're good and and full of fluid. The next type is the 12 volt AGM battery, which is called absorbed gas mat battery. And this was sort of an improvement that came out on the flooded lead acid battery. And instead of the liquid, they've got this fiberglass mat inside uh, that absorbs the acid and they're maintenance free. They're sort of the same thing as the 12 volt lead acid battery. They require all the same stuff. You only want to discharge them to half uh, and everything, but you do not have to do any maintenance on them. So they do last a little bit longer and you don't have to worry about if you, if you, you know, if you're bad at checking the water levels and that sort of stuff, but they do cost about twice as much. So it is a big sort of investment. Is it worth the investment, you think? I'm um, just curious. The, really, what you get out of it is not having to check the water levels. So, you know, if if, if you want to pay an extra, you know, a 100 amp hour battery would be $100 for a regular one. And a an AGM would be 200 bucks. So, you know, and that's going to last you a few years. So if that $100 is worth it to you to not have to check the fluid levels. One less thing on your to-do list. They also, they also off gas a little bit. And some people do get concerned about battery, their coach batteries, uh, I'm sorry, their house batteries off gassing some of that gas into the RV. You know, most of the compartments are separate and it's really not that big of a deal. But if you are concerned about that, that can be a thing. Both AGM and flooded batteries are offered in six volt versions as well. And a lot of RVers uh, and off-gridders like six volt batteries instead of the 12 volt batteries. All of your your RV stuff always needs 12 volts, but what they do is they take these six volt batteries and wire them into 12 uh, together into one 12 volt battery. Some people call them golf cart batteries because they are essentially what is used to run golf carts. And the reason they're better is they have a lot bigger and thicker plates. And they'll last a lot longer and you can discharge them a little bit more than that 50%. You can go to like 70% and really not worry about that. It's going to cost you twice as much because you got two batteries and it's going to take up twice as much room because you got two batteries to make up 12 volts. The final option is a lithium ion battery and lithium ion batteries are sort of all the rage right now because they don't require much maintenance. You can discharge them entirely. So you get really get double the power because you can just charge them all the way to the bottom and it doesn't hurt them at all, but they are ridiculously expensive. They're like 10 times the price of a a flooded battery. So you could pay a whole lot of money, but it's going to, it's going to last you and it's going to give you a lot of power. Yeah. It's the give and take, but it does seem like the lithium batteries are starting to get a little bit cheaper 
yeah. as time goes by. Not a lot, not a, in a way that would make you say, oh, okay, now it just went from 1,000 to 600. It's more like 1,000 to 985 or something. So like these that. are the batteries that they use in electric cars. Uh, they're also the batteries you get in power tools and, and stuff like that. They're, I think they're the double A batteries you can much, buy now too. Pretty I mean, much all of them are lithium ion now. Yeah. yeah. So you... It, the technology is just getting better and better. And as they mass manufacture more of them, it, it does get cheaper and, and cheaper, but it's still, it's still much more expensive than flood batteries, but they're going to, they're definitely going to last you. Okay. So that's the boring stuff about the different types of batteries. That's not boring. You should have seen your face. It was just like lit up the whole time. <laughs> this whole room is radiating. You're just, you love it. And I learned a little something. Charging, charging your batteries is, really important right so your your 12 volt stuff even though when you're plugged in to a campground right and your lights work and your fans work and all that stuff works it's still all going through the battery your converter in your rv is charging the battery and it's using that stuff off of the battery so you do always are using your battery it's always there and and you do need to sort of keep up on maintenance even if you are sort of full-time in one location some people just run off of their converter and don't have a battery in, but that's really bad on your converter. And your converter, by the way, is the opposite of, a, of an inverter. It's what turns 120 volt power into 12 volt. So when you plug into the campground, it takes that 120 volt power and turns it into 12 volt battery battery power and charges your battery. So, but it's just your 12 volt stuff that is running through the battery still, uh, but it but it is still using it. Batteries are charged in different ways. They can be charged by your converter. They can be charged uh, when you're plugged in. They can be charged by the alternator in your RV, or they can be charged by solar. So when people talk about you know wanting to run certain things off solar, how much solar capacity they need, they really need to know is that solar power, solar panels, are really just charging batteries. So you need to have you know sort of battery capacity to match the solar capacity that you have on your roof if you're using solar. Basically, it's like treating solar as if you were going to plug into a campground and knowing how much that's going to pull yeah. and then how it's going to run through your batteries. Yeah. All these different things will charge your batteries. Your batteries must remain charged as much as possible for those reasons we mentioned before, that crystallization you don't want to happen. So batteries are their happiest when they're charged at at their fullest. So, so you're not damaging a battery by charging it constantly. It wants to be on a charger constantly. That's that's the best situation for it. So really what you want to do if you're wintering your RV, you want to pull your batteries out. Either You either want to plug your RV in so your converter is keeping it charged, or you want to pull your batteries out and you know bring them into your garage or whatever and keep them on what's called a trickle charger there all winter long. Because your battery will drop 4% of its charge a week. If it's a brand new battery and in great shape, it's going to drop 4% of its charge a week if it's not plugged into anything. And then, of course, if you have some sort of weird random draw like we do that I really can't figure out, <laughs> uh, you, you'll get, you know, you'll, you'll lose even more. Yeah, I wish we could figure out what was going on. It's driving me nuts. We'll figure it out. You can add capacity if you have. So if you've been out there and you you figured out what your battery usage is, how how much you can get by with using and you want to add battery capacity, you can do that. But you want your batteries to match. Right. So you don't want to just go to the store and add a battery to your system. You want your batteries to be the same age and the same brand and the same size and everything. So really. Once it's time to add more batteries, it's time to get rid of the one that you have. So if you have a, a battery bank, yeah. say, I'm just going to throw a number out here. It might be wrong. Let's, you have three. Yeah. And you want to add up to five. You're not going to be able to just go buy two. You have to go buy five. You don't have to. If they're in really great shape, you can use them and buy two more that are exactly the same. Same brand. Yeah. Okay. But the thing is, you're you're only going to get out of your new batteries, you know, the lowest common denominator. So if your older batteries aren't, you know, operating at their full potential, if they've started to wear out a little bit, your new batteries are going to sort of 
they're going to diminish they're, they're faster. Gonna, they're going to act in okay. line. They're going to work in line with that. Okay. It's, it's really important yeah. then to make sure you set a battery bank and, and not think like six months down the road, oh, wow, I wish I had, you know, had more than what I have now yeah. because you're looking at well, like a whole new expense, and if it sounds like. if you've got five batteries, they're going to, you know, die on you after, say, five years. You're going to have to budget to replace them every five years. You know? So you need to really be conscious of that and sort of saving yeah. up for it and that, that sort of stuff. It's not cheap. Yeah, no, it's not. Another way you can add battery capacity, though, is just to change out to a higher amp hour battery. So if your RV just has one battery in it, say it's a, say it's a 150 amp hour battery, you could just change that out to one 300 amp hour battery. Because sometimes it can be a challenge to find a spot to put batteries because they're big, you know, so you might have a bay that only one fits in or two put fits in. Sometimes they give you room for a second one, uh, but you, you can always go up to higher capacity batteries as well. So battery maintenance and, and taking care of your batteries, not over draining them, keeping them constantly charged is, is super important. And really, you know, if you're, if you're not somebody who's gotten out there and spent some time not hooked up to an electrical post, you can actually very little battery. And we only have one battery. Uh, we want more. But, we want so much more, but we get by, you <laughs> we know, get by it works. It absolutely works. We can go, we can go a few days, you know, or, yeah. and just run the generator for an hour here or then to, to charge things up if we need to. But, um, but you, you're no, your lights, especially if you switch your lights out to led, if they're not led already, your lights will last a really long time on one or two batteries. Your fans will last quite a while on one or two batteries. You know what I like as much as I want us to have more battery power. What I actually like about the setup we have now is that when we are boondocking, the kids can't have the television on. They can't ask for the Xbox. They are forced. I will say forced yeah. to sort of like come back into non-electronical activities. Is electronical even a word? <laughs> Electronic, <laughs> I believe. <It's> <laughs> I really like that about not having souped up power because yeah. we get to come off all of that power a little yeah. bit. Even you and I have to come off a little yeah. bit too. We can't constantly be checking work. We got to, you know, we can plug our phones in and do all that we need to do, but we can't be on it all the time. Yeah. But camping without hookups is all about the management of resources. You manage how much battery power you use, you manage how much water you use and the better you get at it, the longer you can go. It is a fun challenge sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Okay, that's battery power. Let's take a break and come back. And, and talk we'll... about Battery's sister conversation, <laughs> hiking with children. It's not related at all. <laughs> no, although children do feel like batteries sometimes. <laughs> Whole lot of power and then all of a sudden, nothing. <laughs> Zoom. You ask them to do something. <laughs> low battery light starts flashing. All of a sudden that battery light inside their hearing it just totally shuts off. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let's talk about hiking with kids. Can you? I feel like I just kind of set back this last segment and really let you go to town. Do, are you part? I'm, no, I'm going to let little... you go to town here. I, I'll chime in. I'll, I'll be I'll be the comic relief. Well, you're going to take my role this segment. OK, so obviously we do a lot of hiking with our kids. Sometimes we hike with great success. Sometimes we hike with not great success. But one of the things we do try to do is just get out there and do it. You think when we run through, we just have some tips. We're just going to run through them. And I, I think of all the tips, just getting out there and hiking, regardless if you have a backpack for each kid or any of the things we're going to talk about here, just getting out there and getting on a trail with your kids is the absolute number one best tip I can give. I think you would agree. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't yeah. worry about it. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that you can do. We're going to talk about that'll help you out, but, but don't worry about it. I mean, if it's just, 
you know, there's a meme that that I saw the other day that it's like it, it's talking about somebody who's out on a trail with like his water bladder and two hiking poles <laughs> and and stuff. And it's like that's funny. My my kid just hiked that trail holding her Barbie by its feet and her Crocs. <laughs> like you don't you don't need to go get out and do like seven day overnight you know ridiculous trail hiking just but you should if you want to and if you have the resources you absolutely should but go but for a walk you know just go for a walk in the woods start yeah, out there i feel like the term in our family hike is very broad yeah sometimes i consider a hike just the loop in the campground well when you tell the kids <laughs> we're gonna go on a hike yeah they don't they don't know what they're going to get because sometimes, I mean, we've had some rough ones. We've had some long ones. Yeah, no joke. So when we say, oh, we're just going to go on a little hike, they don't know if that means a five hour hike or if that means that we're just going to walk like this little side trail that's a quarter mile long. <laughs> Parenting is all about never committing to anything. Yeah. You never, you know, if they ask how long the hike is, it's going to be as long as it's going to be. That's yeah. generally my answer. I don't commit to a time. I don't even commit. To, I don't even tell them what we're doing until seconds before we do it, because you have to be able to just you have to change on a dime. You have to be able to do it. So anyway. So your first tip is about tip. the gear to bring. Yeah. So we have talked about this before. We love that each one of our boys was gifted their own backpack last year for their birthdays. Thank you, grandma and grandpa. And what we love about that is that they then are become responsible for carrying their essentials, the things that they really need. And it can be personalized for each child. That is generally going to be a backpack that is going to have their water bottle. We love the Contigo Auto Seal water bottles. Those are indestructible and they really do seal up. They do not leak out water. That's a great water bottle. They're going to carry their own snacks each kid can put whatever snacks they want into their backpack. Maybe you're going to want to toss in their swimsuits. You know, sometimes you get out on these hikes or you get out on these walks and you encounter bits of nature. You didn't know a stream or a little a little river and to not want to get your clothes all wet. If you have this option and you've got, you know, your swim trunks and they can slap those on really quick and enjoy this bit of water that you just found. That's awesome. Or maybe it's just a change of clothes, a hat, their sunglasses, whatever it is to them, whatever is special to them. A light jacket, maybe. A light jacket. Absolutely. You know, I think one thing to bear in mind, though, is not to let these backpacks get too heavy. Yeah. Because guess who's going to end up carrying (laughs) it? (laughs) That sounds like a lot, but it's actually, that's actually very little stuff. We're talking like a little baggie of snacks. A water bottle is the heaviest thing. Swimsuit is a piece of cloth or, or a jacket. It's all lightweight. It, it's all very lightweight. Absolutely. And, and their backpacks as well are lightweight in the first place. And I think that's a really important thing. Most of the school backpacks that are out there might be a little bit too heavy. Yeah, I can't remember what article it is, but we do have an article that breaks down the backpacks that we have for our boys. I'll find it and link to it in the show notes. We have two different kinds. You know, with the snacks... I would say do not err on the side of less, you know, yeah. more is more. Our kids seem to just become so hungry five seconds into a hike and they have blown through their snacks within like the first 30 minutes. And I learned that lesson the hard way the first few months we were full timing. And so now it's just you think you want this. I think you want three times more than this. So let's just pick out a few more things just to have. So. Backpacks are great. If you're hiking with smaller children, babies, toddlers, even preschoolers, up until just recently, I was still wearing Henry often when we were out on the trail. Yeah, we would go for quite, he would go as far as he could go. And then then you'd, you'd start to carry him. And so investing in a good carrier is worth, and they're expensive. I do understand that, but they are worth every penny in my personal opinion. We have always loved the Ergo. It's a soft carrier. They have them up to 40 pounds, which is why Henry can no longer be in it. He was a small little guy. So I love the Ergo and they're going to retail for around 120. But you can also, if you're more of a frame carrier person, I absolutely recommend 
the Kelty Journey Fit. It's about $200, but it's got a day pack attached to it. So you can have those essentials that you will need for yourself and for your little one. The frame carrier that I recommended, the Kelty, now that's only going to go up to 50 pounds and that is going to include the baby, the toddler and whatever gear you need, essentials you need to take with you. So once you reach the point where the Ergo or even this frame Kelty are no longer going to work, there are other options out there. They do make carriers that are geared towards older preschool children where you could wear up to 60 pounds. And I have considered investing in one of these because Henry is still a little bit on the smaller side and he does you know, something to remember is that for every one step we as grownups take, our little people are taking two or three of their own steps. So Tula, which is a great brand, makes a carrier that you can have up to 60 pounds, a child up to 60 pounds in. It's $170. It's a soft carrier, comes in all different kinds of shape or all different kinds of designs. They're super cute. I love this brand. I love Ergo and I love Tula. I've never been a frame carrier personally. I've been a soft carrier my whole life. If you feel like you want to do these longer hikes and you have smaller little ones, I absolutely suggest making an investment in a carrier. And, you know, these carriers, like a lot of baby products, are people want want them new. People like their baby products new. And and they only get a limited use out of them because the kids grow up. So you can really find a lot of these things pretty easily on eBay and, and in garage sales and places like that. Absolutely. Or if you happen to be in a parenting group or, you know, when I was in Chicago, I was part of something called the stay at home moms meetup group. It was through meetup.com and it was a lifesaver for me when I was a new mother I was staying home with my babies and Jason was working all the time and I was able to connect with a community that could understand my particular journey at that moment. And through that group, we would have um, our own little Craigslist board and women would put up items that they had. And I tell you, carriers just constantly filtered through that group and kind of like you knew or trusted who you were getting it from a little bit. It was someone that you had met before. And so those are resources too. You can look and try to find these at deeper discounts because they are expensive. They are investments. And if you're only going to want it for a year, I can understand not wanting to pay $170. All right. What's next? Keeping your hike easy and feature friendly. So when you first start hiking with your family, I would highly suggest smaller hikes. I don't think we took our own advice on this. And I think we found ourselves sometimes out on trails that we weren't quite prepared for in terms of length. And I think that that lent itself to a bit of a negative view of hiking for our kids in the beginning because they were just so tired and we were so tired. So when you start hiking with your family, just start slow, slow, half mile loops, a mile loop, nothing too strenuous. And think about the view. Are you taking the kids to a lake, maybe an overlook? Have there be some kind of payoff inside the hike, if that makes sense. Yeah, you, you want there to be some sort of payoff, but you also want to be careful about it not being the type of hike that is all the same until the payoff, you yeah. know? Yeah. So you do want to have you want to try to choose things that are going to have some variety along the way. Yeah. And because kids are really visual. And I think, too, when you have a hike where there is somewhere you're going to or perhaps, you know, you're in a really heavily wooded area, kids are going to find so many things that they want to explore. So take it easy, feature friendly and be OK with stopping a lot. And letting the kids explore their surroundings, you know, in a way that keeps them on the trail. Of course, we always want to practice the leave no trace method when we're out hiking. Whatever you take in, you take back out. We leave nature as we found it. We don't bring out rocks and sticks and 
we don't have a collection. And that is hard for some of our boys to not collect along the way. But we try to remind them that this is home to a lot of creatures. And this is nature's home and they want their home to remain the way they have designed it. So be okay with stopping, be okay with exploring and take it easy in the beginning. And that sort of falls right in line with what I've said several times. And that's just give yourself time. If the hike says half a mile, 30 minutes, maybe it's going to take you an hour. If you have a kid that wants to stop a lot. If the trail is a moderate and it says two and a half to three hours, boy, we can tell you that's probably not going to be what happens. Yeah. <laughs> like it's going to end up being five hours and there's going to be a lot of stops. I mean, again, everyone's family is different. Everyone hikes differently. Our kids stop a lot. Our kids eat a lot. They burn a lot of energy out on the trail. We build in times to stop, even if it's just to stop and sit and take it all in for a second. So. Trails for us, sometimes we double the time. Yeah. We usually double the time. Yeah. And we surprise ourselves sometimes. And you know what? If you don't have kids, I think you should be doubling the time too. Why? I mean, there's no reason to just run to the destination, you know? Enjoy, yeah. the, enjoy the journey. What is that saying? It's like, it's, it's the journey, not the destination. Yeah. Or Life's some, a journey, not a destination. Yeah, or something yeah. like that. I mean, you can apply that to hiking. Dress for success. I know. <laughs> I know it's not a business interview, but make sure you have, if you're going to climb an elevation, it's possible that the temperatures are going to change. So if, you know, I always think of this example, when we were staying in the Vegas area, we were up in the mountains and it was a gorgeous, wonderful 70 degrees up there, almost a little on the cool side. If we came down into the valley and we wanted to go into Vegas, it was over a hundred degrees. And what would be up in the mountains, a very cool, like even, you know, a light jacket at times, if you were in the shade, you wouldn't want that jacket anywhere near your body when you were down in the valley. Yeah. So it's not just going about going up. It's about going down as well. So like if you're at the Grand Canyon, that's one of the most common things that, you know, you take that trail down into the canyon and it gets hotter as you go down. Which is why convertible pants are so fantastic because you can just. You know, it's like you can go from shorts to pants, pants to shorts in just a matter of seconds. So that's something to think about. Either you're going to want to start off with a light jacket that you can put in your kid's backpack or you're going to want to have one for them if you're on a trail that's going to change in drastic elevation. Or if you think that the weather might change drastically that day as well. And so finally, just to kind of wrap this up, because I didn't want this to be too desperately long kind of try, and this is so hard in parenting in general, but just try to prepare for anything. You know, make sure you have a small little first aid kit, some sunblock, lip balm. Yeah. You don't need to over prepare so much that you have a ton of stuff. Right. Um, You know, if it's something that you're never going to use, don't bring it, but bring stuff that lip balm is like so essential. And it's one of those things we always forget. Absolutely. And even if you don't have uh, children in diapers anymore or children in pull ups, I still think carrying wipes around is just a is just a solid idea. Kids get messy. Things get messy. And I want my kids to get messy, but I want to be able to clean my kids up after they're done being messy. So carrying wipes around and antibacterial wipes or and you know, a, a packet of wipes can be really heavy, but what we do is take out several and put them in a, another separate baggie yeah. so that we're not carrying around a big, heavy thing of wipes. Absolutely. And so, you know, your family, you know, your kids do what you feel best to prepare for what you think could possibly happen. Accident prone kid. Well, you know, maybe it's best we keep this. Maybe we buy a little bit larger first aid kit and that's what we bring with us. You know, yeah. we definitely travel with a first aid kit whenever we, we have a um, soft padded one too, which is really great. And we keep that with us and we keep it stocked with the things we think we'll need. And we always have it on us because you just never know when a kid is going to try and jump up on top of a rock and miss their <laughs> footing and smack their face 
into the rock. Yeah. And then their nose is just going to start bleeding all over uh. the place. You never know when that's going to happen. <laughs> and that just seems to happen a lot with the Epperson boys. The mist footing situation is a real, it's a real, real situation around here. So I will put all of these suggestions into the show notes and I'm working on fleshing out a little bit. Yeah, the, the one I, I just want to throw in the the one that you you didn't mention. She's got a few other oh, tips here that she's going to The one you didn't mention is don't be afraid to turn around. Absolutely. And I think I had written too, like, don't be afraid to stop and reevaluate your situation. Yeah. You know, sit down, have a snack, see where everybody's at. If you are trying to turn water into wine and have this euphoric experience with your family out in nature and, you know, birds are singing and you're all loving it, but it is not happening and your kids are crying and everyone is arguing and you and your spouse are just miserable. Ooh, turn that party around and just go home. And you should also always have a planned time that you want to turn around to. Mm -hmm. Like, you you know, when the, when the, uh, the parking lot closes or the visitor center closes you want to be back by then. That's a really or good point. Dark is going to be, you need to know what that point that yeah. is the latest you want to be out that you want to turn around at. Because we had to do that at Guadalupe yeah. and it was a real bummer. I am one who tends to want to finish what I started. It's really hard for me to turn around when we're on a trail. And that particular trail, when we, I think it was like Devil's Hall or we had set a, a goal. We have to be there by this time because it's going to start getting dark and we don't want to hike back with, we were not prepared for night hiking. We didn't have any headlamps or anything. So we had to turn around. We were so close, but we knew that for the safety and comfort of our family, we had to turn around and you just say, I'll come back another time. I can do this again. Safety first. All right. Let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser. Let's do it. Consider this sequence of seemingly unconnected letters and their corresponding colors. The letter C is blue. The letter P is green. The letter T is brown. What color is the letter B? Black. No. Are you sure you don't want to go check the answer again? Yeah. You're really sure? Yeah. Well, I guess I'll have to ponder it a little bit more until next week's episode, (laughs) won't I? (laughs) Because that's all you're getting out of me, Epperson. (laughs) All right. That's this week's episode. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yes. Thank you so much. And if you are enjoying the podcast, we would love to know it. And the best way to let us know is with a five-star review on Apple Podcast, formerly iTunes, or word of mouth. Please share us with your fellow campers at your next campground. And until next week, we send you all our very best. We hope you have a great week and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye.